And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast presented by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. As always, if you're down at the banks, going to a Reds game, hanging out, just enjoying your time this summer downtown, make sure you stop by, visit our friends at the Holy Grail, get yourself something to eat, have a nice cold beverage. Any of those things will uh, brighten up your day. And the food is great. The drinks are cold. It's all you could ever ask for. Support those that support us and make a stop at the Holy Grail. All right, let's get this show on the road. Special guest today, not only myself and David Simone, but Dave's new best friend, (laughs) Cincinnati golf coach, Doug Martin is back with us. We had you on before the start of the spring season. And today was a huge day for you and for your program as the Bearcats for the first time in school history are selected to the NCAA tournament uh, as a team at a great event in the Champions Club today. Uh, was was very honored that you invited Dave and I to come and join you. And first and foremost, congratulations, Coach. It had to be an awesome feeling seeing that come together today. You know, it really, it really was, um, you know, it was, you know, as I addressed the people before the show started is, you know, when I started coaching at Cincinnati, I didn't talk about this today, but I played in one of the premier programs, the college golf, the university of Oklahoma. And I wanted to bring that program here to Cincinnati. And, you know, I had a long ways to go to bring it here. We're getting closer and closer. We're still a long ways from Oklahoma. But the key that I saw today, and I've stressed since I've been here, is it takes an army to build a program. One person cannot build a program. You have to invest in your donors. You have to invest in your former players. You have to invest in every single person that touches your team, from your academic people to your equipment staff to your trainers to your nutrition people. Everybody has a role in helping me develop these players, uh, not only on the golf course, but off the golf course. And without that support staff that I have, my donors, my former players, we don't have a program. But we have a program because we have all of those things in our program. And I think that was pretty evident today, seeing the people that were there. Absolutely. So I, I want to start by saying we had you on before the season. You went right to Puerto Rico and won. So you got the Bearcat Journal podcast bump. Yep. Now I mean, having, this is why this has all happened. Like, yeah, now, no, now, no doubt. now we're having you on again. So I fully expect you guys to go to Vegas, finish in the top five, and go to Greyhawk. So n- no pressure. I mean, we did our job the last time. You, you know, you won in Puerto Rico, so now we got to do it again. Well, I, I can assure you of this. We, this golf team will be ready to play when we hop on that plane and head west. We, we have had four extremely spirited practices since we kind of got back into practicing after finals. These guys <clears throat> want to compete. They want to do things that people never thought they could do here. And, you know, what a great what a great team to be coaching with guys that, that are hungry. And my old buddy Mick Cronin used to say the hungry dog always gets the bone. 
and, and I, I hope these guys continue to be hungry. <clears throat> Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an, an executive decision real quick. Aaron, Wait, are you there? You're sending me to Las Vegas? No, not not quite that executive. <laughs> uh, so we're not gonna start this officially until next week. But I think there's no bigger honor than we can bestow than the first ever team ticker Bearcat of the day or, or the, Bearcat or of the, the week. week to Doug Martin. <laughs> and, and the team and the we'd team. Love and the we'd team. love it. We'd love Aaron, it. Aaron, Aaron, give him a look. This is what our, this is. We're starting oh, this next you week. Mean this guy, yeah, that guy right there. You're going to yes. be able to buy those at TeamTicker.com. Uh, it is it is the Bearcat. It is great for man caves and uh, and completing a room. It updates schedules. It has news and information. And uh, you are Doug and your team. The very first mm-hmm. Bearcat of the week. Well, it's fantastic. We're we're honored to be we're honored to be <laughs> that be that play that role. Thanks, so b- before we get into you know in a couple of weeks, I want to kind of just go take a little retrospective. Obviously, we just talked about it. You guys came out of the gates on fire, played great, forty four under par in Puerto Rico, and. And then I, you know, I followed you guys along and I, you know, obviously your comments and I appreciate your comments because you, you don't give the coach speak. You tell it exactly how it is. You played a very tough schedule, which I'm sure you wanted to do and will have prepared you guys for NCAAs. But how do you think after Dorado things went? Cause you had kind of like some up and down performances and the fields were extraordinary, but I know that in your eye, probably you, you know, probably didn't quite reach the bar you you guys had set. Well, I, I think you know after we after we went to Puerto Rico, we flew right home from Puerto Rico. We spent a day in Cincinnati, and then we went straight to Colleton River in in Hilton Head, and <clears throat> that was the best field they've ever had at Colleton River. They had 12 teams that were in the top 90 in the country, um, primarily a Big Ten flavor field. And after winning at Puerto Rico, we go there and finish last. And, you know, my assistant coach, so we were actually, as soon as that tournament ended, we were staying in Hilton Head to practice for two or three more days before we went to Sea Island. And so, you know, we obviously, when we go back to the hotel after the first and second round, we're in like 10th or 11th. And, you know, I said, what did you see today? And he was like, we looked like the same team that played in Puerto Rico. We just didn't putt well. And I said, that's really what I saw. I said, we put ourselves in position. We didn't play sloppy golf. And we go out in the last round kind of do the same thing we finished last and we get all of our stats from the players that evening and austin and i meet downstairs in the morning to talk about the tournament to give it a recap and talk to the team well we averaged through six tournaments 29.3 putts per player at colleton river we averaged 31.4 so you do the math we shot 14 under par at colleton river you do the math Basically, two shots a guy over three days, eight, six, that's 24 shots. We shoot 38 under at Colleton River if we putt average. 
we just had an absolutely horrible week on the greens. And so, you know, I told the guys when we got through that next morning, I said, look, I said, just because we finished last this week, I haven't changed my opinion of this team. I think we have a great golf team. And, you know, if you follow golf, I know you do, David, and guys on the PGA Tour miss cuts. They don't play great every week. And that's really was my analysis to them is that let's put this in the rearview mirror and move on. So then we go to Sea Island where, you know, the field is even better than Colleton River. And we go there and finish second. And it's like, all right, we're back. We're back on stride. We're back on stride, back feeling good about ourselves and and doing good things. Then we come home and we have like a two week break. The weather's just okay. You know, the greens are, aren't great to put on. You know, that's kind of a really tough stretch for us because we can practice hitting shots and, and do, but the putting in the short game really take a little bit of a back seat because we're not able to really work on it to the level that I think we should work on it. <clears throat> so we then go to, to Mississippi State and playing the best field, the pro, best tournament the program has ever played in. And, you know, we go out, we have a good solid week. I think we finished seventh or eighth in the tournament in another, in another great field. And again, kind of the same type deal. We didn't have another great putting week. Sam Jean didn't have a really good week. That kind of hurt us. So when you play in a field like that, if your number one and number two guys don't play well, in Sam and Ty, you're really in trouble because those guys, you know, those guys lead the way and they didn't have good weeks. Then we go to Vanderbilt. And again, in another great field at Vanderbilt, we get paired the, we get, well, we got paired with at Mississippi state, Tennessee, Mississippi state, Ole Miss, three teams in the top 20. As a coach, it's great for me to be able to watch those teams and compare my team to those teams. Tennessee is on another level because they have Caleb Surratt, who's one of the top amateurs in the world. But Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Cincinnati are the same golf teams, damn nearly the same teams. And so as a coach, when you watch it, it's like, okay, we're, 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 now, we're now one of the top 25, top 30 teams in the country because they, they play golf the same way we play golf. Then we go to Vanderbilt. Again, have another just decent week. I think there were – 12 of the teams were in the top 90 in the country. And again, just, it was nothing special. Sam didn't have a great week. Tide had another poor week. Again, you go and you try to play against the number one ranked team in the country, Tennessee, a top 12 team, and your best two guys don't have their best stuff. You're going to finish in the middle of the field. That's just how it works. Then we go to conference and conference was a little bit, a little bit of a, Difficult situation for us. Uh, Sam Jean, again, our best player, didn't practice with us for four days before we left for the conference championship. You know, not a lot of people know that. I wouldn't, it's not an excuse. Kid's a 4.0 engineer, had to finish up his schoolwork, and his schoolwork was so, he had so much to do, he couldn't practice. He didn't practice for four straight days before we go to the second biggest tournament of our season. And he goes and has, a very average week and tie below average week and tie Gingrich has his worst 
But what I was most pleased with at conference is the depth of our roster allowed us to finish second place with two freshmen and a sophomore stepping up and all three of them finishing in the top 12 in the tournament. So that was a huge deal for us. We're a better golf team than Houston. I know that if our top two guys play well, we beat Houston by 10 or 12 shots. That's just my opinion. And that's no disrespect to Houston because Jonathan Dismuke has a great program there and, you know, is going to be a great competitor for us in the big 12, but, you know, going into this regional event, what excites me the most is our guys have one focus and that's golf, no schoolwork, no distractions, strictly focusing in on our preparation to go play. And that's a huge advantage because a lot of other teams are still in school right up the regionals. How much did playing in these loaded fields and seeing where one week 44 under wins, another week 14 under is last, the next week six over is second, kind of like show the guys how razor thin the margin for error is when you have the goals that you guys have and you're competing against, you know, a Vanderbilt with Gordon Sargent, who I, I'm pretty sure he finished second alone. Yes. In, in the Mason Rudolph event. I mean, the guy is incredible. So like, yeah. I mean, it's, to me, it's way better than going and playing a bunch of teams that you just beat the crap out of when your goal is to win well, a national championship. That's our, our program for the last five to seven years we could have scheduled to where we beat the hell out of everybody every week, but that's not the program that I want to have. I want my kids. My whole deal in my program is to try to prepare my kids to give them an opportunity to play professional golf when they're done. And if they're not seeing the best players in the country, they aren't seeing the best golf courses in the country, then I'm doing them an injustice. And so, you know, our schedule was great this year. Our schedule next year will blow this one out of the water. And I think we ended up finishing having the 42nd or the 45th ranked schedule in the country this year. And next year's schedule is only going to be better than this one. And it's, it's how we're going to continue to grow, evolve, and build as a program is we're going to play the best. And if we want to be one of the best, we have to compete and beat the best. Sure. So going – into the final round at conference, I don't remember what place you guys were in. Yeah, we were in fi- we we're in fifth or sixth place. You got you had you really you had a, a really good final round. You know, one of the only teams I think that was under par yeah. on that day. Yeah. And so, what what do you take knowing that there's still a little bit of a time gap, and you might not have, and we'll get into it. You might not have the exact roster um, that you had there going to Vegas. What do, you, what do you guys take from that, knowing that, you know, we kind of put ourselves in a bad spot, but we, we fought back on the last day. And that's like your best round since – your best cumulative round yeah. since Dorado. So, yeah. you know, well, momentum and things of that nature. It really came down to this has been a team that's been a pleasure to coach. This has been a team I haven't had to really raise my voice very often. But after we finished the second round, they got their asses chewed out. And really just, it stemmed around 
thinking they could show up and win this golf tournament without going out and competing. And, and I'm not saying they didn't compete, but we didn't compete as hard as I think we're capable of competing. And we made some mistakes in the first two rounds that if you want to be a great team, you cannot make those mistakes. And so we basically had about a 15 minute lecture from me about toughness and doing things the right way, being prepared. And after we finished, there's a putting drill that we do as a team that's extremely difficult to complete. And it is high level pressure. And so we, I said, let's go straight to the putting green. And they knew what was happening. They knew we were gonna do this drill. And the drill is all six guys circle around the hole and they start with a three foot putt. And all six guys have to make the three footer before we go to four feet. Then we go to four feet and all six guys have to make the four footer. Then we go to five feet and all six guys have to make the five footer. And then we finish it up with all six guys having to make it from six feet. And when you put that on a hole that has some break and some contour, it's a pretty damn difficult drill. And so we probably did that. It took us probably an hour and a half to complete that drill. And it, what it does is after you have some guys that start missing putts, you start having your camaraderie of your team. Come on. That's okay. That's all right. Let's go. And then, you know, I felt that that energy come back to my team while we're doing that drill. And it is a, it is a hard drill. And we've been doing that drill every single day since we've gotten home. We spent two hours and 45 minutes in the cold last night doing that drill. And I said, we are not leaving here till that drill is complete. So you're like Herb Brooks. You just, again, <laughs> it was, it was again, it was again, but what's, what's the fastest they've gotten it done. We, we did it in about 20 minutes tonight. There you go. Yeah, we did it in don't, 20 minutes. Don't waste all the good shots now, well, though. <laughs> and it's, it's part, of, part of what it is, is it, and, and, you know, when we complete the drill, the energy that's done, it's fist pumps, it's, it's high energy when we complete it. And it's like every single guy is pulling for each other. And, you know, I'm a big culture guy. I'm a big team guy. You know, golf being an individual sport, but at days in, we all add our scores up and we're a team. You got to have that love for one another and that competitive burn. And we're, we're getting it back. Coach, you guys, you, are, you weren't a number one seed in that selection show today. Yep. But there was as much talk about Cincinnati golf as maybe anybody that wasn't a number one seed. Were you surprised how much? Love you guys got from that that crew today. So the field. So Jim Gallagher, I played golf with on the PGA Tour. Um, hold there on, there we go. I, I don't there mean to interject, go. but just Jim, Jim and I. He Jim evolved. And I been, yeah, he Jim evolved. Been, so Jim and I have been friends. So he he's doing uh, television for the Golf Channel. So he comes in and he does, I think the new Queen City tournament that's at Kenwood Country Club. He does the telecast for that. So he came in last summer. He played cold stream. We got to get together a little bit and catch up. And then Brentley Romine is a writer for golf, golf channel, golf week along. And he writes for college golf. I know both of those guys and both of those guys, they had, I had a phone interview with both of those guys last night and, you know, they, they, they see us 
as a program that's on the rise. And one of the things about college golf, like college football, it's hard to get to the elite. It's hard to get into that party, that party of Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. It's, it's really hard to get there. We got there a couple years in football, but it's so hard to get there and stay there. We have finally entered what I would consider the second tier of the party. And we have to keep building and keep growing. And we need to do this and sustain this year after year after year. I think we can, I think we can do that. I know Jim saw our guys um, over the summer, guys that we were working with, very impressed with our young talent. And it's like you sit here and look at it and it's like, you know, Jim and I have a lot of mutual respect for each other. He knows how I prepared for tournaments. He knows how I coach my team. I think that's where a lot of that came from. But, you know, I think, you know, I was certainly excited to get the love that we got on the Golf Channel today from both Brantley and Jim. And, you know, there's there's some background from a relationship standpoint, but you know, why Cincinnati? They see Cincinnati as someone that's starting to grow as a golf program. It's got to be great for your guys, too, to experience that and see, like, th there's a little pressure on us. There's a little heat on us. We're seen as a team that's that's yeah. on the come up. Well, the best part about it is, is that these guys hear this from me all year. But now you've got someone on the outside talking about your team that they know they know a little bit of Jim Gallagher and they're like, Hey, he's talking about things that coach talks to us about. You have Mike small on the telecast. You have some of the other head coaches talking about the things that their programs are doing that are number one seeds. And they're like, Oh shit. That's what coach is having us do. So you start to hear things from other coaches and it's like those not that those guys don't believe in Austin and I, but it's like it's reiterated to them on a day like today. Wow. We're doing the same things, if not more than what the best programs in the country are doing. For sure. <clears throat> so you, we, we were talking before we started here and you guys have some time before a little bit of time before you go out to Vegas. And I'm not sure how many people truly follow college golf and understand the formats and everything. So you said that you're going to have open competition for some of the spots. So just kind of take us through who you feel is, has had the season representative to have those spots locked up and then yeah. what your plans are to kind of figure out who or who's going to be the other well, competitors. We have had six players play a huge role in where we are as a program um, this year. And those six players basically have traveled every single week. We've been together on the road every single week. We have three freshmen that are red shirting. And so we basically knew going in, we had six guys. We were going to find our lineup from those six guys. And so obviously Ryan Ford starts off and plays the entire fall as an individual and really had you know, what I would consider a poor performance based on what he's done this spring. So Wyatt Plattner, Ryland Watherspoon, William McDonald, Sam Jean, and Ty Gingrich were our top five in the fall. We come back in this, we come back in the spring 
we meet with the guys in the fall before we start the spring. And Ryan Ford came into my assistant and I and said, look, I'm not playing as an individual in the spring. I'm going to crack this lineup. And sure enough, he comes back in the spring. And when we we're on our practice trips in Florida, you know, I talked to my assistant, Austin, and I said, he's our best player right now. He looks as good as anybody on our team. And he just came back, implemented a lot of the things that we talked to him about in the fall, and it just cleaned up his game. So as we go into regionals, I've exempted Sam Jean and Ryan Ford for two of our five spots. William McDonald, Ty Gingrich, Ryland Watherspoon, and Wyatt Platten are going to play 72 holes, and the low three guys will play represent the rest of the team in Vegas. Now, the one unique thing about college golf, especially in the postseason, is you can substitute. So we're going to take six guys. And if I feel I want to make a sub at any point in the tournament, I can make a sub. And, you know, that's it's it's out there. It's an opportunity. Um, if someone were to get injured, someone were to get sick, it allows us to have a sub. And so we're going to have six guys with us. I trust all six guys to represent our program and go out there and play well. But I felt having this time between school ending and going to Vegas, we are different than most of the schools in the sense that we are already out of school. Most of the teams left playing are in school and taking finals the week before they go to regionals. And I felt it was not a good idea to have this team not competitive before we left. I wanted them to get dirty and go and compete against each other and battle for this and then give them two or three days, pull back the reins, and then go out there and get ready. That's kind of been my philosophy. So let's let's spin it there. The the bracket or yeah, bracket comes out, you see you're going to Vegas, you see your your region. What were your initial reactions? Is that a place you wanted to go? Is that a do you think your your region like I'm looking at it to the person that follows it somewhat, but not totally, like your region seems pretty loaded. Uh well they're 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 all loaded. Yeah, they're all loaded, but I will tell you, Oklahoma and Auburn, that will be a bloodbath. You've got three SEC teams in at Auburn, Auburn being the three seed, and they spent most of the year ranked number two and were number one in the country for a lot of the fall. So you've got a three seed at Auburn on their home course, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, and then I think Ohio State's there. I can't remember. But it's like that is freaking loaded. And then you have Oklahoma as a two seed. At Oklahoma, they're a, they're a one seed. Texas Tech is the one there. So they've got two number one seeds. I think Texas A&M is there as well. And Texas A&M is on a heater right now. Yeah. So, But when you look at our region, in our top six seeds, Northwestern, East Tennessee, and Virginia, we have already played and beaten this year. Mm. There is no other seven seed in the, in the championship that's beaten three teams in front of them. I can almost guarantee that. And so we're in a position to where we have nothing to lose, everything to gain. East Tennessee, I think, is our sixth seed. Northwestern is our five seed. 
East Tennessee's playing great golf right now. UNCG behind us playing great golf. Um, it, it's the bottom line is Ty and Sam have to play well. And I feel comfortable in saying if we go out and do the things we're supposed to do and play well, we get in. Yeah. If we don't play well, we're not going to get in. Right. It's not, at this point of the year, not playing at your top level golf. I don't care who you are. Arizona State might be able to get away from it. Texas Tech, Vanderbilt, they'll probably be able to get away at this point of getting through. Not us. We don't have to play above our heads. We just have to play great golf, just good, solid golf, what we're capable of doing, and we'll be fine. Was uh, What do you know about Bears best? What do you like? Was that a spot you were indifferent on hoping to go to? I, I heard you didn't want to go to a specific region. I won't, I won't say which one, uh, but you know, what are, what are your thoughts just well, on the course and, and things of one, that nature? Number one, we don't have a lot of experience playing desert golf. That that's, that is my concern, but my plans are to go out there next Thursday. We cannot play the tournament course until Sunday before the start of the tournament on Monday. So you're, everybody's only allowed one practice round. But we're going to go out there and we're going to probably play three practice rounds somewhere with similar elevation, similar type surroundings to where we can get comfortable with the elevation, comfortable with the thin air in the afternoon when it heats up. So we'll, we'll, we'll get out there in plenty enough time that we'll be prepared with the changing of conditions because you can't simulate desert golf anywhere near here or we no. would go someplace <laughs> to practice for a week. So the desert golf obviously is a concern, but when you look at our, when you look at our bracket, really Arizona state is your main desert team and nobody else between us and Arizona state, with the exception of Oklahoma state, they play in a tournament in Las Vegas every single year. Those two teams, in my opinion, are the only ones familiar with true desert golf. And so We've, we've got to go out. We've got to acclimate to the conditions and do some tracking of yardages and distances that we hit the ball because that will be different there with elevation and thinner air. So those are things that we've got to we've got to do. But as far as the golf course goes, um, it's, a, it's a Nicholas golf course. It's 18 of his best, quote, desert holes that he's designed from, you know, out west to Cabo to different places. You know, I've heard some things about the golf course. Um, I'm anxious to see, you know, what what the flow of the golf course is going to be. Um, so I think that will be very interesting. But he's got a really good video that he's put out that he describes every single hole. And I've I've been through that three times already, um, <laughs> you know, looking at it, just, you know, really trying to find are there any advantages? Um, you know, what what can I come up with? and listening to him talk about the holes because, you know, I, I wasn't Jack Nicholas as a player, but I always knew how to set up a game plan for myself to break down a golf course. And that's going to be my task here, you know, between now and the one practice round that we have a chance to play. How can I put together a game plan for my five guys that puts them in a great spot? Other than the elevation, describe desert golf for a, a layman that doesn't, so, so you know, Desert desert golf is going to be primarily fairway and then a, a little bit of rough and then it goes into desert. 
cactus, rocks, sand, rocks. And so really one of the keys, and I already know this, and it's one of the reasons that I liked going there is we have a good driving team. We drive the ball fairly straight. And so that's obviously going to be a significant advantage there is driving the ball straight. And so, you know, typically, Chad, on most of your golf courses, you have fairway, then you have rough and trees. There's not a lot of trees that are going to be in play. It's more fairway, a small amount of rough, and then the ball just escapes into desert. And so, you know, what makes desert golf course golf courses extremely hard is when the wind starts to blow because there's nothing there to stop it. And that really makes desert golf extremely hard. If there's no wind, I expect this to be, you know, a birdie fest in, in my in my opinion. If there's wind, it is going to be a grind for three straight days. So we'll see what the weather is going to bring. But again, it's just me trying to learn as much as I can about that golf course before we get there. And then when we go out and play our one practice round, that that we can set up a plan for each guy. Sounds good. So when you, when you're in this type of a situation, you know, season in this moment, what is, what is something, do you tell them anything different? Is it the same, the same thing that you've kind of preached, preached all year? So it's, um, it's, it's, it's the, it's the same message. It's the same message is, you know, I want you to go out and compete. And the thing with golf is golf changes every day. Some days you have your best stuff. Some days you don't have your best stuff. But you have to have the ability to go out and compete and shoot a score when maybe you don't have your best stuff. And that's what makes great players great, is there are thousands of players right now in college golf, when they play good, their golf is good. The number gets smaller of the guys that when they don't play their best, they have to be able to shoot 72 or better. And that's something that can be learned. We are constantly teaching that to our guys, but it's just, you have to be meaner than a snake when you're out there competing. And it's like, you know, golf, there's no defense. It's you against the golf course, but you got to be willing to go out and compete and fight your ass off for the other guys on the team. Speaking of snakes, <laughs> they're, they're going to see some I'm sure um, yeah there's there's no doubt about that it's definitely uh and I I have not you got you got anybody on the team afraid of snakes coach you're gonna have to, coaches coach <laughs> well you'll be you'll be in a golf cart so you can uh you can drive away from them coaches yeah I I I haven't really confronted the guys to ask them about snakes but but we'll, uh, we'll we'll worry about. Hopefully, we won't hit it where the snakes are. That's right. They usually don't go right down the middle of the fairway. So that's correct. That's correct. Hopefully, that's. Uh, I had. We did have a question in the in the chat of any teasers on events uh, that you guys will be in next year. Yep, I can give you our schedule. I can give you for, you know, our schedule for next year. So we start off, um, the first week of September at Aaron Hills. Marquette, oh, nice. Marquette hosted Aaron Hills. Um, U.S. Open was there probably within the last five or six years. Uh, we, then go, we then go to uh, Tennessee National, which is an unbelievable course in Tennessee. 
University of Tennessee is hosting there. Then we host here at home. Then the Big 12 match play, which is in Houston. And then we finish up the fall semester at Quail Valley down in Florida, Michigan State hosts. We are not going back to Puerto Rico just because the dates don't work with what we're trying to do. So we'll go Colleton River, which is hosted by Michigan State. We'll go Sea Island again, which is hosted by Minnesota and Rutgers. We are adding Houston's event, which is at in Houston where they used to have the PGA Tour event. Then we will go to Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt and Mississippi State are exchanging dates this year. So we'll play Vanderbilt. Then we'll finish up our spring semester at Mississippi State. Well, hopefully Gordon Sargent's on the tour by then. Hopefully Gordon Sargent has left. But we're, <laughs> from a schedule standpoint, you know, we're, we're going to be playing probably 75 to 80% of our opponents are going to be power five opponents. Is, is Big 12 at Karsten Creek every year? or No, Big 12. So next year, Big 12 will be at Whispering Pines in Houston. Okay. So we have a three-course rotation for the Big 12 championship. It will be Whispering Pines next year, Southern Hills the following oh, year. Oh, jeez. And Prairie, <laughs> in Prairie Dunes. Oh, my Prairie God. This, yeah. This is unbelievable. A, that is amazing for these guys. Well, it's amazing, and you know the big the Big Twelve golf, and you know we'll we'll get to talk about this more. But Big Twelve golf is the second best golf conference in the country, right behind the SEC. I think the SEC, thirteen of their fourteen teams got in the tournament this year, and I think it was that's pretty good. Yeah, it was eight well, of ten. Ninety percent of, of the Big Twelve got in. Yes, yes, yes. So we're you know we're we're going to. <laughs> we're going to the big leagues here to play golf and we're going to the big leagues to play football, basketball, all the other sports. And, you know, I'm just excited. I'm excited. It excites me for this new challenge because it's going to be really hard for all of us. And, and we have to, we have to dig in and we have to really get all of our kids in every sport to compete their asses off. And it's going to be a challenge for all of us, but, We've got to get to that mindset. Well, the, the Bearcat Journal. Said, real oh, real quick, you said there was a Big 12 match play in the fall, yes, yes. which is different than the Big 12 yes. championship. Correct. That's are, the, correct. are the courses just as great for match play? Yeah, we play in Houston. At, at, I think it's Houston Oaks. It's a fan, fantastic golf course. And so basically the match play deal, which is – so we will be seated accordingly to how we're ranked, I think, in the first poll that comes out the 1st of October – and we will play, I believe we play five matches in three days. So we'll get to play against five other Big 12 teams. And so, you know, if you go there and lose five matches, you just go 0 and 5. It's not, not, that big, not that big of a deal. So you're only, so from your 500 record that you have to have as a team, you don't take a hit if you go there and have a bad week for the most part. But it's just... Gotcha. It's a great feel-good event. All of the Big 12 guys that our guys have become friends with have talked about how special this event is, and it's one of the favorites that they play in every year. So we're really looking forward to that. Well, we're going to have to have a Bearcat Journal C-suite meeting on uh, on how we're going to start covering these events moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> We, we would we would love we would love that because I'm sure there's a you know I'm sure just like the majors there's a there's a media round you know at the day after the tournament yeah 
Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that one. You'd get to you'd get to see some great golf courses, David. No kidding. No kidding. I mean, to get to play Prairie Dunes and Southern Hills back to back years. Yeah. I would be I would be pretty upset if I was a if I was a junior and I was going to miss out on well and what's crazy what's crazy is Whispering Pines is so good it's unbelievable not a lot of people know about it in Houston but it's it's right there with Prairie Dunes and Southern Hills so it's like Houston basketball and football it's like Houston basketball right now that's correct it's like Houston <laughs> people, basketball it's great but the people in Houston just don't, don't know just about don't it. know they don't care they don't go. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, that. Coach, we, we appreciate it. We, real quick, uh, real quick. I know I asked you this in the press conference, but how cool to have President Pinto and all the support from the athletic department that you had there today. It's uh, it just, was a really cool event. It was a really cool event. And, you know, I, I think we are extremely lucky to have President Pinto, John Cunningham, visionaries, especially President Pinto, with recognizing the importance of athletics and how athletics success is transitioning into our enrollment. Um, you know, the student season tickets for football have already sold out. You know, we need to make fifth, third crazy as hell. So when these big 12 teams come in here, it's a hard place to play. And, you know, just the fact that they recognize the impact of sports and their vision for our university is just incredible. And we're, we're blessed as coaches. We're blessed as administrators to have a president that supports us the way he does. Absolutely. You know, it was, a, it was a, a sweet gathering today. We really appreciate you uh, extending the invite to us. Enjoyed getting to talk to Sam for a little bit about his, uh, his U.S. Open qualifying opportunities possibly up at Springfield. My dad's a member, so I told him if he needed to get out there for a great for, for some extra rounds, I could I could help him out. But uh, we will definitely be keeping track. Uh, Monday the fifteenth, right, is the first yeah, round. Monday the fifteenth is the first round, and it's it's three days, one round three each days. day, one round each day, and all six sites play at the same time. Awesome. Top top five teams advance five from, teams e advance. from each yep. each site, so. You guys, uh, like we talked about, you have a, a good field. But, I mean, if you're one of the teams in it at this point, you're probably pretty damn good anyway. So, you got to gotta go out there and, and golf your damn ball. Yeah, the, the, four, the four seed to the eight seed, that's where your battle will be. That's where yeah. your battle will be. Where it was who can come out of there in that window of four to eight and play the best golf. That's really what it's going to come down to. And I think even Virginia – you can throw Virginia in the three seed. I think our think our place is three through eight. I think Stanford and Arizona State are unbelievable teams, unbelievable programs. They have great talent. Uh, they're going to be really difficult to beat. But I think everybody else can be beat in our region. Well, hopefully we give you another uh, podcast bump. I, I certainly hope. I certainly <laughs> hope you do. But uh, I would like to close uh, really just with thoughts for you, Chad. Um, you know, become friends with you over the past five to 10 years. I know the last month has been unbelievably brutal. Um, there are a lot of people that are out there for you. Appreciate it. Yep. And uh, we, we love you and you do great work, but we, we appreciate you a lot. Thank you, sir. Yep. Keep you doing know, the work that you're doing. 
you know how much love I got for you guys, and it's been really cool seeing this thing finally start to get to that yep. level of your vision, and yep. and we love having you on, and uh, we'll have you on in a, in a couple of weeks as a Perfect. national champion. All right. Perfect. Well, you, you're always going to get the truth from me. I, 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 I don't know. give much coach speak. <laughs> but I, I love never have. Guys. That's why we get along. I, I I I feel for you and want to give you a big hug and pray for you every day. Thanks, man. Appreciate yep. it, Coach. And appreciate uh, you guys. We'll talk Thanks, soon. Good luck out there. Yep. Talk soon. See you guys. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. See you. There we go. Head golf coach Doug Martin. That was that was a really cool event today, Dave. And uh. Very cool to to see them rising to that level that we thought they could. That's why we had them on at the beginning of the season. We thought this was possible, and very cool to see them get their first ever NCAA tournament berth. And uh, I appreciate Coach for the support, but I'm trying not to cry on stream. Well, it's all right. <sighs> it's all right. But yes, I mean he he laid it out there. Uh, very well. I mean, Arizona State's the number four team in the country. They're young, though. I mean, their coach talked about it today on the on the show. They've got you know a lot of young, young, really, really good players. Stanford's in the top fifteen. They have a guy, Michael Thor Bjorson, that is uh, just a dog. Uh, and then Virginia and Oklahoma State are both in the top twenty. You know, they have ten teams in their region that are in the top fifty-eight in the country. So, like you said, I mean it's going to be a battle for probably those last three spots. And, you know, UC is currently 40th, but in the, in golf, there's just, there's, you know, it's not like he said, I mean, if Sam and Ty play to the, their capabilities and with the way that Ryan has played this year, th they will be right there to get one of those five spots. I mean, well, I mean, think of it, think of it like this though, Dave, there are six regionals, right? Five teams from each region will get in. That's 35. Like, they're 40th, which is, No, you know, it's, thir it's 30, but. 30, whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not good at math, but, but I can at least do I, that. Yeah, I, I, whatever. He's got me flustered. How's, how's that? Can hardly see it. <laughs> it just blends in with all your other yeah, stuff. Yeah, it kind of blends in with the other stuff. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I have a lot of stuff on the walls here. All good. Yeah, it's there. We'll it's it. ticking. We'll, we'll get it figured out. But yeah, they're I mean, they're. I mean, that's why I said they're. I mean, they. They're right they're, there. They're 40th and 30 teams making it. Crazier. Florida Atlantic played in the Final Four this year in basketball. Well, I mean, like you said, I mean, you have some of these regions that have three SEC teams. Like, what if some? You know, somebody's not going to play their best, and and it's not. A, I mean, they're a seven seed. They're right there to to get in. So. Yeah, I'm excited just to track it and, and keep an eye on it. I probably won't get a whole lot of work done that that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But, um, you know, it's just – it's cool as someone who loves golf, follows college golf to, like, have a team that – you know, obviously Tennessee's ridiculously good, but I don't really know anything about them golf-wise. Um, but, you know, Doug's just been a great guy. He's always been good to, to us, and it's – yeah, we've always, you know, we like to have as many different people on as we can. Um, so it's nice when he'll jump on and he has the team to that that has made it worthwhile to talk about. And, you know, first ever trip to the NCAAs and 
you know, like you said, they've got a, it's going to be a bear starting next year, next year. But I mean, that's, they're, they're probably, I mean, I don't even know if I'd say probably, I think definitively of all the programs at UC, they are the most prepared to go to the big 12. I think that's fair. Uh, Were you surprised at how much chatter they got today on the show? I mean, initially, yes, but then I found out he's boys with Mike, with Jim Gallagher. <laughs> that always helps. Who's a ball. So, you know, can't, can't leave that out. Um, but, you know, it, I said to you, as, and I can say this as someone who loves golf, was, I was like, they certainly weren't uh, trying to change the conception that golf is boring with that show today. It was like, my God, just get to it. It was, it was some of the most you know, sleep inducing commentary I've ever witnessed, but you know, they did, they came right out of the gate talking about UC. And then when they went, when their region got announced, they, uh, there was they like, had, a, like a 90 second, two minute segment on yeah. UC. Who's the seven seed. Right. So, so it was, Steven, it was Steven asked about Steven asked about golf gear. So they wear under armor as far as like quote unquote uniforms. Um, you know, their hats, their shirt, their pullovers, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if they have to wear Under Armour shoes or not. And then their their actual equipment, that's whatever they want. I think they're a Callaway team, he said last time. Um, but I'm sure there's Titleist and Callaway and TaylorMade somewhere in their bags and stuff. But their bags are probably Under Armour bags, if I had to guess. Anything that is like outwardly branding is probably Under Armour, uh, but like they don't. I mean, Under Armour doesn't make equipment, so there's you know, from that standpoint. I I'm, I've seen Doug in some pretty cool stuff that that was not Under Armour. So oh, I'm sure. Uh. Um, <laughs> I don't Matt. I don't know what region he did want to go to. I think he's cool with. Uh, um vegas i i'm pretty i feel pretty good saying he did not want to go to california why i don't know i didn't get that answer but okay um i don't think i don't maybe, think they were the course he played and didn't like yeah i don't know if it's a course thing if it's uh who the teams are probably going to be in that region um not, not entirely sure should be fun. I, I had a good time today. It was uh, it was good to see the excitement building for the golf program and and the university and the the athletic department kind of stepping up to uh, to show his guys some support. I like that when they were announced, it was pretty ho hum. Like it wasn't uh, a wild. Yeah, I mean, they, they clearly ex- like, they clearly expect. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if how the co- you know we only know committees as far as like football and basketball. So, you know, it's hard to tell if, if they were, I mean, they were, they were clearly easily in. I mean, you're, you know, you're, yeah, you know, a seven seed in this, in the region that has 12. Some of them, I don't know how they come up with 81 teams in this thing. So, uh, (laughs) so, uh, you know, they're basically like a, you know, eight, nine game in a, in an NCAA tournament bracket, but they were, pretty safely in um, tweeted out some pictures of some facility upgrades that they have going on uh, indoor, hit, indoor hitting simulator. And then like a, a, a full on team, like team type meeting room. So 
Yeah, I mean that's the thing we we talk so much about football and basketball, but everybody's getting getting upgrades now. So it's and they and they there was a show. I think it was an ESPN Plus show. A couple, it's probably been like three years, four years, on Oklahoma State golf. And there's one on Ole Miss too. Some of these facilities that these teams have are just insane, and it just shows well, a you. A lot like, of them have their own courses, right? A lot do, yeah. And there are courses on campus or right there on campus and uh, are close to campus. And, and then they have practice. You know, Tennessee has like a, th- a three-hole practice course and their own driving range right on the river, uh, right on the Tennessee River, right off of campus. So they have a, they have a long ways to go going into the Big 12 uh, from that standpoint, that's for sure. But, you know. Baby, you, you, you got to crawl before you can walk, right? And then you got to walk before you can run. Absolutely. Unless you're my child who just started running pretty much right away. That's right. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, congratulations to the Bearcat of the Week, the Cincinnati men's golf team and head coach Doug. Martin. I'm just really happy for Doug, man. He's, he's such a good dude. Oh yeah, I've I've always you know like I talked about last time we had him on, uh, I spent a lot of time watching. He was a big basketball practice guy. Um, he would always be down at basketball practice regularly, especially in the summer, and we would sit and talk and watch basketball practice and became close then, and uh, just super happy, super excited for him. Football, Dave, I guess the big football news of the day. Uh, There will not be a two-quarterback situation for the Bearcats in 2023. Ben Bryant is headed back to Chicago. He committed to Northwestern today. Uh, Good for Ben. I'm happy for him. Absolutely. Um, Northwestern is always weird to me because I don't think of them as a good football program, but every three years or so, it feels like they have a team that like, like surprises people and wins seven, eight, nine games or whatever. Well, what Uh, two years ago, they went to the big 10 championship and last year they won one game. Yeah. Like they're, they're just like, it doesn't feel like there's any in between with North. Yeah. It seems like every other year right now, but uh, they have not had very good quarterback play for the last three years. Uh, obviously they did not feel comfortable with where their quarterback position sat coming out of spring practice. So I think Ben probably feels like he's either going to be the starter or is going to go into fall camp as someone that will very legit. Yeah. (laughs) Likely win the position or they wouldn't have brought him in now. And they run the football a lot. They're not, they don't. They're not a, a program that asks. No, they've totally changed. They're they're air raid now. Their their tempo. Mike Bajakian's their offensive coordinator now. Oh wow! They wow, they went a... they went from that to like the biggest one eighty last year to tempo and like yeah they are they they're gonna I mean if they're gonna do it again I mean they had a really 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 good running back who got drafted that his usage numbers were insane. Like he'd carry the ball a ton and they'd throw it to him a ton. So I'm, I'm not the, the world's you know biggest expert on Northwestern football. So who knows what changes will happen next year, but you know, 
I doubt Ben's going to a place that's just going to turn around and hand the ball off 40 times. Yeah, my point was, though, even if they they do run the ball, like, they're going to rely. They're not – they weren't – they haven't ever been a team that looks for the quarterback to really get out in space and make plays. No, not from, like, a running standpoint, no. Yeah. So, whether they run it a lot, like, when he drops back to pass, it's going to be more of a pocket passer type deal. I didn't realize Bajakin was there. That's a uh, – that's a that's a blast from the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that does bring up a good question here from Matt Lanham. I'll get your opinion on this. Who's going to be QB two for the Bearcats? If it's you know, it, it, I, I think we're all of the belief now that Emory Jones is going to be the starter. You've got an interesting battle for QB two: Evan Prater, Brady Lichtenberg. I would guess Brady Drogosh, red shirts. Uh, the backup quarterback will be Brady. <laughs> you think Lichtenberg wins the, the number two spot? I just think it'll be Brady. Drogosh? I mean, Brady. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess there is a point that if like you see Brady Drogosh as your quarterback of the future, why not have him in that number two spot this year? I, th- I think, I mean, it, that's a bit, but I think... Ideally, ideally, you don't have to play him. But right. whether He's the number whether two you don't have to play him, whether by injury or necessity, whether he your hand is forced or he forces your hand, uh, then maybe. But I I right. do not think that ideally, with a revamped <laughs> roster, a new coaching staff, and a new conference. Uh, that they would want him to see the field. Right. I think they would rather have – and, and the, the thing that's a little bit interesting about that, at least, Dave, is that you could have a situation where you can – I mean, you, you can play him four games. So yeah, you can get I'm, him mop-up duty if necessary yeah, I'm, without I'm not, burning his red shirt. Yeah, I'm not sure the value in that this year because I don't – picture them being in a ton of situations where they're on the uh, leading end of a blowout where you want to get him up of duty. I would just, I would rather just give the snaps to Brady Lichtenberg in that case. Okay. But the other greater thing is going to be fascinating. I could be totally wrong. I mean, who, who the hell knows, but um, I'm, I'm just hopeful that they go through a season without having to use, a bunch of quarterbacks because they've they've had that luxury. I mean, it ended last year. They had to use two. Dez was pretty healthy for his last couple seasons, so um, they went a decade with having to use multiple quarterbacks every year. So right. I'm always Sometimes just hope- as many as five. I'm always <laughs> just hopeful that that isn't the case because, uh, you know, in college your your backups and your backups backups are are never never going to be good enough to to get it done. So. Are you comfortable at a point where you're now going into the season with Emory Jones as your starter based on the the limited, but still, you know, what you saw from spring football? Uh, I think you have to be, right? No, you don't have to be. (laughs) Well, I don't see them adding a quarterback. So that doesn't mean you have to be comfortable with it. No, I'm asking right now, are you comfortable knowing that Emory Jones is quarterback one for the Bearcats going into the summer? Uh, comfortable, no, because 
in the very limited action I saw and heard about. I would say outside of the spring game, it wasn't that impressive, but I'm I'm comfortable in the understanding of what he'll probably be asked to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is a weird situation because they're going to continually add to the roster up until spring practice. So, like, what is available right now or what is on the roster right now as far as the skill position standpoint is probably still going to change. Um, but, you know, it's – this team in 2023 is going to be about defense and running the ball, so I'm not as concerned about who the quarterback is. Right. That's fair. And, you know, there is an element to Emory Jones running the ball that we did not get to really see much of in the spring. Right. And we probably won't see a ton of in the summer. So you don't know what that element in the offense is going to look like until the bullets really start flying in September. Mm -hmm. Correct. So that part is going to be obviously very interesting. Any other stuff football wise you want to you want to touch on the uh, transfer portal musical chairs that were that we've been seeing? Uh, we, we hit on it quite a bit on the the nightcap I mean, the past I, couple nights. I'm like I'm the I'm probably the the wrong person or a bad person. Like it just doesn't it doesn't really register with me because that's just what is is going on right now. Like it doesn't bother me. Like. You know, you you make you you commit somewhere and then you change. Like I, it doesn't bother me anymore. Like I don't get hung up or bent out of shape about it. Like, do I wish guys would just pick a school and stick with it? Sure, but like things change. Like there, we're now seeing several players, and mainly in, at Colorado, uh, but I'm sure that's not the only place. I mean, I think we what we saw a wide receiver at Texas A and M. Uh, do yeah. something very similar. Like they were just brought in in January and then they're already leaving. So that's fine. Whatever. I mean, I, you know, it's such a cliche thing to say, but I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm just like, whether it's a coach, a player, a fan, like just do whatever makes you happy, man. Don't worry. I don't care. <laughs> I just, I don't care. Like if you want to be here, awesome. I'll cheer my ass off for you. If you commit here and then you find somewhere else that you'd rather go, sure. All the best knock to you. Knock yourself out. Yeah, like, knock yourself out. Like, that's why I said, like, whatever. I It took me – I had to read a tweet, like, five times to be like, I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> the, the guy that went to Colorado? Yeah. I was like, so why would I get upset about it if I was like, shit, it didn't even, it didn't even like, click. Like, oh, my God, that guy just committed last week. Like <laughs> – I'm going to be honest, and I talked about this last night a little bit. Like, the kid that committed from Louisville yesterday, Braden yeah. Smith, I think is his name. Yeah. I didn't even know it happened until – Well, his tweet, made, his tweet was so nondescript that I, at first I thought it was like a thanks for the, you know, thanks for the offer. Right. And was, I, I just I, – I've been so out of it this week especially. Like – Yeah. I, I, I didn't even, it didn't like, I, I didn't see it. I didn't catch it. I was, I was busy handling some family I mean, stuff. It, it's, 
it's like when people always ask us about like you know what do you think about the recruiting class and my my line all every year is tell me who shows up to higher ground and i'll tell you what i think about it and that's the same thing with this like tell me who actually you know transfers man just tell me who's here when it starts to matter and i'll tell you what i think and that like for me it, you know people ask me a lot about like a, a for a basketball analogy people ask me a lot about davion thomas and my response is everything i've heard about him is good but i haven't seen him play so i i can't give you an accurate assessment of my thoughts on day day thomas until i'm watching open gym this summer or until i like really get my eyes right on like what I what what he does well, what he doesn't do well, where I I see holes in his game, where I yeah, see like, strengths in his game, how he meshes like, with his new teammates, like, right. like watching him play in JUCO or something is not going to be a very good representation of like what he is going into the Big Twelve. But at least I would have seen him play. Sure, sure. But I I haven't seen the kid dribble a basketball in person, <laughs> so I I can't give you. And like, I, I guess what I'm getting at here is we have built this on talking about what we see. This is why we go to every spring practice. It's why we go to every practice at higher ground. It's why every time that there's ever been, you know, other than when I was dealing with stuff with Kelly, if I was allowed to be at practice, I was always there. Why? Because I want to be able to tell you accurately what I saw. And, and there's a reason that I'm standing there right on the sidelines with my notebook watching all of those things because I want to give you guys an accurate assessment. And that's what makes the transfer portal really, really difficult. Like, especially in the spring window. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if they're going to show up. I don't know if they're going to be here. Uh, if they do show up, like I, I have a little bit more faith in like the winter window at this point than the spring window. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I know that's not an acceptable answer for a lot of people. But yeah, that's I mean, an honest so, answer. So much of the winter window is surrounded on coaching changes. Yeah, this window is 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 very much like. And I'm not saying this in a negative way, but it's like very much like I didn't feel like I was either given a fair shot or I didn't like my place on the depth chart. Like you don't see a ton of dudes that, you know, started 12 games, had, you know, 60 catches for 800 yards and seven touchdowns uh, just decide like, yeah, you know, I just don't feel like playing here anymore. The only place you do see that are coaching change spots where they go through the spring. You know, at least this is from my like observation from what I've seen on guys that have entered that like, okay, well I went through the spring with this new coaching staff and, uh, but it's still a new staff. Like it's it. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not know. an immediate, it's, co- it's not an immediate coaching change, but it's still a new. Right. Group. It's just that you gave it a little time. Yeah saw what the offense looked like and then went, eh, I think I'm gonna find right. something that, that suits me a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I mean the portal is closed for football until December, which is wild to me. It is it is 
crazy that they have like two windows within two months, like three months of each other, and then it's closed for nine months. Yeah, like that part is. is I guess not really nine months. It's a little bit longer than that, but yes. But if you didn't transfer by Sunday, CN December. Boys yeah. and girls. <laughs> well, no, you can still transfer, right? You just have to sit out. Yeah, or be a grad transfer. Yeah. Like a grad transfer, like if you graduate in July. Right. Or whatever, you can you can go in. Well, like right now, um, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you can take summer classes. Yeah. Yeah, graduate. that's true. If you um, needed to take the classes to graduate, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's going to be a, a really small number. So, like, yeah. like don't. There's not a secret uh, grad transfer window in July that's going to bear much fruit for anybody. Probably not. Um, eh, I mean, we cover it as much as we can, but eh, at this point, unless it's something that jumps off the page, like, it, it, you know, even the Auburn guy, like he's a four-star, he transfers from Auburn to Cincinnati. He had like three catches last year yeah like what do you want us to say about <laughs> yeah okay great he was a four-star but you know what dave if you go back through the history of uc football most of the four stars here never made a name for themselves in college football right most of the four stars that have committed to cincinnati never made a name for themselves in college football it's very accurate so it's hard for me to be like oh well he's a four-star that means he's going to be really good that's yeah. and and for the crowd that's like, well, it matters, da 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 da. Sure, it matters, but for the four stars Cincinnati has traditionally gotten, go look at the recruiting page on yeah. on our recruit, and, and it has and the all the all time stars. all time top recruits. Scroll through the four stars; you'll be hard pressed to find a guy that you're like, oh damn, he had a great Bearcat career. Mm -hmm. I I just I don't know; it, it's hard to get excited about it. Um, so I, I don't have much else in football to you. Uh, our boy Brett Yormark is at it again. <laughs> Here he is. This dude, and this Wait, is what did we you see Dennis is... Dodd, Dennis Dodd, like trying to spin. What did he know? I did not. Uh, so after it came out today that like they're talking about changing the way that the broadcast looks yeah. and all that stuff, okay. he was like, Well, that's that's what everybody's gonna do. No, it's not. Uh, the you big twelve just happened, and like they're coming out with the first. Oh, you, you think you think uh, Jamie Erdahl, SEC at three thirty? Hey, Coach Saban, as he's walking off the field, like what? What? Yeah. So what happened there? Your new quarterback is not Bryce Young. He stinks. <laughs> what, what? What's what's going on? You think he's just gonna be like, oh, Jamie? You know, we're just working through some things. Well, we'll get it figured out in the locker room. I think I, I, I Jamie, I think Tyler Boucher is going to be excellent. Yeah. You ever uh -oh. see an 80-year-old man stiff-arm someone? <laughs> like, the and, I, like and, that, and that's the thing we talked about previously. Is like some of these things, awful ideas. I think the yeah. Mexico thing is a terrible idea. I don't understand why. As a fan, you couldn't pay me to go to Mexico, to City, Mexico City to right. watch a – like, you're gonna the coaches in the ADs are gonna agree to take away a home conference game to go play UC versus Texas Tech in, Me in Mexico City in yeah. football. Like that is an awful idea, in my opinion. The 
the locker room access and the halftime video and the halftime coaches. I think that's a great idea. I think you should be trying to get more access to your teams, more access to your players, get your fan, get more people around the country to know your teams, to know your coaches. So there will be some ideas that are probably great. There will be some ideas that I think are absolutely absurd. But the fact, the fact of the matter is that so far, at least, I have been bullish on way more of the ideas than I have thought were, you know, a bit, a bit too much as, you know, some famous comedian would say. (laughs) It's, you know, the Rucker Park thing. Great idea. The combine thing. Great idea. I don't understand the Mexico thing. This isn't the the NFL. This isn't like the Cardinals and 49ers going to Mexico City. Like it just, it makes no sense to me. Plus, you know, we all know how much of a hotbed Mexico City is for basketball. Well, and, and, you know, students coming to West Virginia and uh, you know, you're really, you're really, you know, recruiting big time down in, you know, Guadalajara and, and the other hotbeds of enrollment for the University of Cincinnati. You know, but I'm sure the players are like, hey, we're going to get three days in Mexico City. So it ain't Cancun. Three days in Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they would love. Yeah. You know, why don't let, let like let's build, let's build if somebody a built a stadium in Cabo, stadium. I'd I'd be all for it. <laughs> Mexico City. I think I'm good. I think there's I'm good a, with that trip. There's other places I feel like isn't I would it, rather isn't Mexico City like on top of a mountain? I, I don't know. I just know I uh, Yes. Yeah, the elevation Accurate. is like crazy in Mexico City, right? Accurate. Yeah. I, I, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what the, the draw is to this idea, but. Oh, whoa. Seven thousand three hundred forty nine feet is the elevation of Mexico City. That's a mile and a high mile and a half high. Yeah, that's that's not that's like it, it, Mexico City looks down on Denver by a half a mile. Yeah. What it's, are we doing? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was up there. I didn't realize it was legitimately like 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 way up there. Only only bested by uh Bogota at 8612 feet above sea level. Bogota was that in Colombia? Mile and a half high, Brian. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> um, but, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Some harebrained ideas, but. He's throwing everything against the wall. But I, I do think, you know, modernizing the broadcast. I, I, I will say, though, I don't love the in-game coaching interviews. You never learn anything. Oh, I don't. I don't either. I, and I'm, I'm not sure that that's the goal. I think the goal is if you're trying to, if you're trying to brand yourself and you're trying to present yourself to a larger swath of the country. You want people to know who your coach. Like, like I'll just throw a name out. Like 
I don't even know if you like how many UC fans could tell you who Texas Tech's coach is. Nobody. You know why? It's hard. It's hard. It's but that's hard what, but that's what I mean. Coaches. Like, and they had a good year last year, and they're probably going to be one of the top teams in the Big Twelve this year. Yeah. But like, if I told you their coach was Joey McGuire, would you have any idea who the hell Joey McGuire is? I know Jerry McGuire is. Right. Show me the money. <laughs> Rod Tidwell, baby. Uh, but I, I think that's the point of it is to to present your coaches, your players, give fans a little bit more. Like I'm not expecting any hard hitting, you know, X's and O's. There is a significant change for us if if all this stuff does happen. What's that? Open locker rooms. NFL style. Yeah. Because that's that's never been a thing in college. Oh, like, no, you can never you get essentially. You get who we tell you you can talk to. At least and, you see us who you want to talk to, and then they tell you. Yeah, no. like look, <laughs> our situation here, and we've talked about this a million times, is probably better than anywhere else in the country. I wouldn't trade the access no. that I get for anywhere by anyone, like especially. Especially a program that has ascended to, because usually, as as usually it's the access is great when no one gives a shit, right? And as the as the expectations and the results increase, we close in on the access because we cannot possibly have any infiltration into how we are doing what we are doing, right? Um, but open locker rooms would be. Very interesting. Yeah. To where you just get, you know, you get to just walk in and talk to who you want to talk to that day. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure I see that one happening uh, in, in, cer- in a certain conference. It's not happening in the SEC. <laughs> never, 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 never. <laughs> they don't, they don't, they don't need it. I mean, you know, it's kind of that old deal. Like, this is what we're going to well, give you. This is the what Big we're gonna 12 give isn't going to need it, but I think Brett Yormark is looking at, like, how do we, like, let's take a look at the NFL and what are some things in the NFL that are not being done in college. I think open locker rooms are one of them. Yeah, sure. You know, like, I've talked to my friends that cover the Bengals, you know, on Tuesday, mon- mon- Tuesdays, Wednesdays, what Mondays, Wednesdays, whatever, you just get to walk in the locker room and just be like, hey, what's up? Put a microphone in front of their face. Like, I mean, you, I, yeah, it, not even that after the game. After the game, you don't get three people at the podium. You, you get, here's the coach, and then, you know, here's Joe Burrow, and then you get to go into the locker room and talk to whoever you want to talk to. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, Do you think the team is going to train up the players though to be able to they speak fucking, to the media? They fucking better. I mean, even they, freshmen because or well, they UC or does. they can still or they can still put stipulations in of like you can only we'll let you talk to whoever you want, but they have to be a senior or a junior. Like they have to be a starter. I don't think they're going to give you. I, at least I wouldn't. I wouldn't give you free reign to just go unfettered talk, access. Right, talk to whoever you want. <laughs> Like, well, if, you're, 
it's different when it's the NFL, freak out. when it's the NFL and it's it's their job and they're professionals and like I wouldn't right. expect an eighteen year old to to really know what to say, not to say, like and oh, and. And we some know of that's on the media. Some of that's on the media, though. You have to put some of the onus on the media to not talk to an eighteen-year-old who. Well, if but, I mean, look at if we want over the last several years, we wanted there were plenty of guys that we wanted to talk to, that because we knew they would give us good quotes. <laughs> but, but this the coaches and the SIDs also knew that they would give us good quotes, <laughs> and they said absolutely not. I just I don't know how you regulate that if, if the goal of the conference is to give you free access to the locker room. Yeah, that'll be like that'll be one of those things that's real interesting. Like the the reason John Cunningham wasn't at the golf uh, the selection show today, the ads are in meetings at the Big right. Twelve, Dallas or whatever, wherever they're in they're Dallas. At. And you know these are one of the things that those ads are going to have. Uh, hernias. No, they're going to have like marching orders from their coaches that they, they know where the coaches are going to stand on that right. as it becomes more of a thing, maybe not today, but certainly by Monday of next week when they come back to campus with this out there that they want to open locker rooms, I would guess it's for everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, if you're going to like the big 12 is a I'm not going to call it a basketball conference, but like, if you're going to basketball have this, is a very important. Right, game. If you're going to have this for right. football, you're certainly going to do it for Kansas basketball and Baylor basketball, and you know. And this is what's done in the NCAA tournament. Like, like you get there's like a ten minute grace period after the game, and then the locker room opens. Yeah. There's a ten minute grace period for guys to cry when they they realize their career's over, and then we get to come in with our dumb questions about you know what are, yeah. what are you going to do now, and what are your feelings now that you've lost? Are you and staying? Ne- and you'll never play <laughs> basketball again, and you know. <laughs> I always love that, like when you get the question at the after the game, like you know, have, what are, what are your plans for next year? It's like, dude. I just lost a game. Like, you really think I want to talk about that right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you going to ever play basketball again? Is your career over? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sad for my teammates, man. Just wanted, just wanted to. <laughs> I thought we had a chance. Like, that's why people got so mad at me, Dave. After the game that we don't talk about. Yeah. I, I just went home. Like, I didn't go to the post-game stuff. What the hell were you going to ask? Right. Everybody, <laughs> you know, people on, on social media, you're not a real reporter. Like, you, you get in there and ask the tough questions about the, the team falling apart. I'm like, no. Take us, Mick, will you take us through no. the, the play-by-play of how you blew a 22-point lead? In 12 minutes? Like, well, I mean, what are you supposed to say? Like, but forget Mick. Like Mick is Mick was gonna have to sit on the podium and answer those questions whether I was sure. sitting there or not. That's right. That's what he's pay, you know paid to do. And but and going take... in and asking the team that thought they had final four aspirations, like Yeah. It's... Hey, so uh tell me tell me how you like what what you guys choked. What happened? <laughs> Come on. Couldn't really? make any, 
Couldn't make any shots. Come on. Um, speaking of basketball. Well, should we talk draft first? Go ahead. Yeah, that, that's your area of expertise. So I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you run draft, and then I guess at the end we'll do like ten minutes of your your take on Bengals draft. Uh, I mean, I was pretty disappointed that Ivan didn't get drafted. Obviously, I I don't. But it's not shocking. It's not shocking. I. It's surprising. I, it's not. I shocking. am kind of shocked that he did not get drafted. Um, I understand the size thing, but at the same time, like it's, it's still shocking because I would have thought that some team would have said, you know, he fits this role for us perfectly. And we think he, all of his limitations aside, He's outstanding at this thing. And that's why that's why guys get drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Um on the other, you know, on the other hand, you guys talked about it, whether I don't know if it was BBP or um Nightcap, but you know, I've talked a lot about thresholds and things of that nature, but even more so, it's hit it's just history. Like Go show me in modern football, you know, they'll say just call it the last 10 years, last 20 years, whatever amount of time you want to pick. Right. Show me all the uber successful 5'10, 230 pound linebackers. Are there any? Sam Mills was good. Yeah. Uh, London Fletcher was really, really, really good. Sam Mills was really, really, really good too. Um, but I mean, like, you get seven picks, maybe less, maybe more. Yeah. Am I going to use one of those picks on a guy that needs to be an a insane outlier to to re, to to justify me using one of those selections? Right. I mean, that was that was my big hang up with Kalijah Kansi and the Bengals. That. No one had been drafted in the last 10 years with a wingspan as short as his, let alone in the first round. So you you draft a guy like that, you are basically saying he is a one-of-one. One. We don't care that this has never happened before. We have confidence that he, he will be okay. And like we've talked about, there's 32 teams. Let's just call it half. Half of the teams would never have even considered drafting them, regardless. Right, any- that's you know that's the point that I made is like the, the reason it wasn't shocking to me is just because there's so many teams that took him off their board before the draft started. We're not going to draft him. Right, and I'll, I'll use the Bengals as another example. I wanted the Bengals to take Nolan Smith in the first round because I think he is a better football player with more potential than Miles Murphy. At the same time, the Bengals have shown no history of recent record, whether it was Marvin Lewis or now Zach Taylor, that they have any interest in drafting 6'3", 240-pound edge players. 
Right. So me screaming on Twitter about why they didn't draft Nolan Smith <laughs> would make no right. sense because their history and track record told me that they were never going to draft him. It's never going to happen. So it's the same thing with Ivan. Like there are teams, I don't know what the number is, but it's it's obviously on some level 32 because he wasn't drafted. But there are teams that would just say, we understand how good he was in college. But we will not draft that player because of this and because of the history that shows that player is not successful in the NFL. Right. Let me ask you this. For those who think that if he had come back here for another oh, year. That's an idiotic claim. I just There are people who think that if he had come back here and played in the Big 12 and shown what he could do against so Big he 12. He would have been a year older, 5'10", 235-pound linebacker. The only thing is he could have made potentially could have made more money next year Aaron. as an NIL guy. Sure. Aaron. He was a first team all American. He was mm-hmm. invited to the senior bowl. I don't think you're I'm not making Aaron. Right. Aaron I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying. I'm saying in general. Yeah. Like those those things are all true. What else was there for him to do? Other, he was he was a consensus first team All American. He was the number one graded defensive player in the country by Pro Football Focus. Like all of the things, all of the things like on the on, on the your field, resume, he has on his resume. I agree. On the field, there was literally there was very very little he could have done, if anything better than what he did last year. PFF had him very high. But number at the one, same time, like, first team all American. Going... They had him very high, Aaron. Phantom is the number one graded <laughs> defensive player in college football. He's going saying. to it's pretty high. He's going to a great situation then. That's the thing that should not get lost in this is that going to Minnesota, they had a terrible defense last year and has basically wiped the slate clean at linebacker. He has a much better position or much better chance to earn a position than if he would have gotten drafted in the seventh round by X team, maybe other than Minnesota. Yeah. Right. Cause I don't know every, every team's linebacker situation, I just, but I know they, they signed Andre Carter from army. Who's like an edge outside linebacker who went undrafted. Wilson Huber's going there. Ivan's going like they clearly are looking at linebackers. So get I, your ass in there, impress and get signed. I just wanted the, the question that hadn't been asked in this space uh, yeah. that has no, been talked I, about. So yeah, yeah, I mean, that wasn't directed at you. It was directed at the question. No, uh, because it's the same guys, thing with like Jerome Ford coming back. It's like so he can get more carries as a running back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, other that's than what that, teams love more mileage on running backs. Exactly. Yeah, get a year older and carry the ball three hundred more times. Then we'll <laughs> then we'll draft you even higher. <laughs> Um, I think Tyler uh, Scott going where he went was indicative of just the wide receiver class as a whole not being very good yeah. and just the uncertainty of it all. Like the four guys going in the first round uh, was surprising to me all, all right in a row. It, it just, it's just what it did, you know. It wasn't a good enough group to for that for those four guys going in the first round to force teams to take guys earlier. Oh wow! 
what we'll get what to this. We... we'll get to this in a minute it's god? god yeah yeah I, I just saw it uh i haven't obviously haven't read the article because we're talking but uh um, i haven't either but yeah uh yeah, let's let's go through the guys that did get drafted. The three that the three guys that did get yeah. Drafted. So Tyler Scott Bears, I think that's again another really good situation. Obviously, they have Justin Fields. They have a first year general manager in the trade from one to nine. They get DJ Moore from the Panthers. Darnell Mooney is kind of their only other known receiver, but he's in the last year of his contract. So yes, you go in the fourth round, you're probably disappointed. But would you rather go in the end of the second round to a team that is loaded and likes you, but you know, maybe you're their fourth or fifth guy this year, or would you rather go to the bears on a team where the GM just got hired? So he's probably not getting fired soon. You know, in, in the NFL, that's all relative. And they don't have a wide receiver room where there's a lot of people in your way. And they they're putting an offense together because they need to find out if Justin Fields is worth it. So they're going to keep investing in the offense, which should benefit you. So I think that was a good spot for him to go to. Um, Josh Wiley going to the Titans. I kind of feel bad for Josh. I think their offense is a mess. Uh, their wide their wide receiver room is one of the worst I've ever seen. That so has maybe, to be good for a tight end, though, right? It, it, might, it maybe helps him, but they're also going to run the shit out of the ball. So... <laughs> You know, you still have Derrick Henry. You draft Tajay Spears in the third round from Tulane. Uh, I, I I just think teams that run the ball, tight ends go more hand in hand with that than anything. Yeah, I I think the Bengals play action and throw to the tight end. I think the Bengals liked Josh. I think if some things would have happened differently, he he might have been uh, their pick in one of the those mid rounds. But um, it is. You know, it'll be interesting there because you have a quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, is very much likely on his last his last year with them. You trade up in the second round to draft Will Levis. God knows why. Um, I have a Titans fan, a friend that's a fan, and he has not had a good time this week. Um, I'm, I'll be getting his son a Will Levis jersey also for his birthday. Um, <laughs> Just to remind him. Oh All yeah. The time. Oh yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, this is another topic completely. But I don't know. If, like, if you put mayonnaise in your coffee, you eat bananas with the peel on, and you have an inner bicep tattoo, you just can't be on my draft board. Worse than Ivan Pace. Like, like worse the, than 5'10", 230 pounds. Those are serial killer tendencies. <laughs> like, come on. No chance. But anyway. There's a reason Penn State was like, eh, And you also Sean, lost Sean out Clifford. to Sean Clifford We're going twice. With Sean Clifford. Yeah, twice. We're going with Sean Clifford. Which, then the Packers draft Sean Clifford. Makes sense of that. Um, but anyway. Uh, but no, I mean, I, th- you know, I would have loved to have heard the fickle Vrabel uh, Josh Wiley conversations. Uh, I think Josh's personality will play well in Nashville. He could be like their like a, a like a branch of the fickle Vrabel tree. Yeah, uh, I think he will enjoy his time in the Music City. <laughs> Fair. Fair. So, uh, 
But no, I mean, I, I was a little surprised. You know, we talked about Arquan. Um, not really surprised, but I thought he had a chance to sneak into the seventh round. I think it's cool that he's going to Seattle with Kobe. Um, yeah. So hopefully he has a chance to stick there. Just a lot of dudes getting getting opportunities, which is what you want. I mean, this draft class wasn't great. Um, so if you, you know, these guys have chances. Like, just because you didn't get drafted – you know, a lot more. A lot of guys are making rosters. Practice squad money is damn good money. Like it's a bigger practice. Twenty thousand dollars a week. Well, yeah, twenty thousand dollars for seventeen squad, weeks. Squad. Yeah. That ain't bad. That's a lot of twenty thousand dollars. I mean, you go up for one game. There's a there's a awesome game check. Like yeah, the practice squads are bigger now. Like it's it's not. A, you know, they're these guys are going to get their shots. So it'll be fun to watch them and in preseason and, and see how, how all that Trade goes before Tyler stunned. Don't even care that it was the Raiders. Like that's stunning. <laughs> yeah. But I, mean, I heard on the call, I don't know if people saw my tweet. They, when they called him, you know, they, they put the tweet, the tweet out where they make the call and everything. They, they highlighted his work as a gunner. It's like, Hey, hey we could have told you that it's the gunner podcast. That's what we do here. We, you know, nobody talks more about gunners than this network. Yeah. I mean, it's a crowded wide receiver room there. So I'm just, I'm, I'm sure his returnability will help him. Well, that's what the coach said in the, in the, like the presser after they selected him was what he hit a couple home runs in the return game. Yeah. And you got Devontae Adams. You got yeah. Devontae Adams. You got Hunter Renfro. They signed Jacoby Myers from the Patriots, so he's probably in that game game day active fourth, fifth wide receiver thing, but active because of taking point return yeah. and gunning yeah. and gunning on special teams. So, yeah, we'll we'll see see how that how that goes for him. But no, I mean it's three more, several guys signed. So, yeah, it will be interesting with a couple guys on this year's team how they do. Um, you know, Deshaun and Dante in particularly, you know, yeah, could be a couple more high, high draft picks. Sure. Sure. Um, let's get to this Dennis Dodd thing. Uh, so essentially, as we just talked about a little bit ago, there are these AD meetings, uh, happening and, Dennis Dodd said uh, the situation developed at the Fiesta Summit spring meetings this week when Big 12 officials were told by ESPN executives its league was one of three conferences the network would be airing in the future. ESPN currently has Power 5 agreements with the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC. Uh, it's, the first, it's the first time publicly ESPN said we're not doing anything with the Pac-12, a Big 12 administrator Aware of the exchange told CBS Sports, uh, while ESPN will not be contending for top-tier Pac-12 games, it may be interested in a smaller package, secondary rights for games specifically they can also, in the late-night window. They can also sub-license games. Right. Sources close to the talks emphasize that they are taking a never-say-never never approach when it comes to potential partners as negotiations continue. <laughs> You're out. We don't believe you. <laughs> We're not offering you a deal. 
That's like your opinion, man. <laughs> it's like that's like your opinion, man. <laughs> that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> ah, I mean, yes, this is what we've been talking about for months. That this is like this is what's going to happen. Essentially, I, I did read the whole article. Uh, USA Net yeah. USA Network is is I guess on, on the last now. hope. Now, now the on the table, yeah. um, and tier one is is out for ESPN, uh, but tier two could still be potentially something that ESPN picks up. Um, with the Big Ten leaving ESPN and going to Fox, uh, the Big Twelve filled in the gaps for the Big Ten. Correct. And, that's why and, it was so important that the Big Twelve jumped right the Pac and that, twelve in line. That's I think that's everything. We're, we're Brett Yormark. Eric, what, save it. We're gonna we're gonna nightcap this. All right, save it. All right, David. Um, yeah, like no shit, huh, Dave? Like, isn't this what we've been talking about the whole time? Yeah, I've kind of like go gone. And I don't really, I don't really know what's going on. Like uh, the draft, I was you know uh, totally consumed in that. Yeah. For the weekend, and I had kind of lost interest in this whole thing because it's just like a never end. It's like the, literally the never ending story. Yeah. Um. Like I'm to the point now where I'll have a, a reaction when they and if I guess if they ever sign a contract. But right. we have talked about several episodes. I mean, at least a month, maybe more ago. Just about fatigue. Like, yeah. at what point as a network, whether you're ESPN or Fox or anyone else, you just, like, your shit just, it doesn't move the needle enough. Like, like sure, if, if they want to sell one 1030 Eastern game to ESPN a week for pennies on the dollar, ESPN will right. gladly buy it and air it. But the Pac-12 doesn't want to do that. So ESPN's like, well, whatever, man. Like, we're gonna. We're. Tr there's rumors they're gonna try to get WWE. You know, obviously they're going to have some level of interest in a in a re-upping with the NBA. Um, WWE and, and UFC are one company. They they've merged. They're, they're one right, company. but they I, already but have, I mean, like, they already have UFC. Right, but I mean, well, and now actually showing exactly. WWE as well. They're they're different wings of they're, the same parent company. They they yeah they have to they have to renegotiate to get the WWE portion, but they already have UFC, right. so they have yeah. to that contract's coming up, NBA contracts coming up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so it's like, do I do I really need to spend my money on this? No, it's just and if they're buying the ten thirty game. That's not that's pennies on the dollar. Right. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, we'll take it if you'll sell it to us for this. Right. But the Pac-12 is clearly not to a point yet where they're going to do that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, crazy. Uh, uh, basketball real quick before we get out of here. Uh, Seamus Lukosius has been added to the roster so far. Uh, the transfer portal hall is at three, Dave. How do you feel about Jamil Reynolds, CJ Frederick, Seamus Lukosius? Uh, as the three additions to the roster to fill the three spots that are currently open? Uh, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. I have 
there are some lingering questions defensively, but um, yes. <laughs> but I feel like you know, again, it's it's very hard to, in my opinion, could be wrong. I think it's very hard unless you're doing like one of these big roster turnovers to really go like we need this, 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 and this, and we can, and we have the opportunity to hit it all. Like if you told me if I got to choose between being better on defense or adding multiple legit perimeter shooters, I would take the shooters every day and twice on Sunday. Well, and especially on a roster that lost their three best. Like, it was one of the better shooting teams in program history. It wouldn't even matter but, what the roster was. Like, I'm always going to take shooting. Yeah. We've, we've seen how this works. Yeah. We lived it for how many damn years with two different coaches. So, it's, it's not a hugs thing. It's not a mix thing. We lived it. Yeah. Like, give me the shooting. We'll figure, we'll figure out the defensive part. Yeah. Uh, any, any thoughts individually on, on Seamus? I, don't I know, know you love, we've talked about it before. He has drawn comparisons to Jaime Jaquez, <laughs> Jaime Jaquez. And that is your favorite player in the history of college basketball. <laughs> That's not good. I don't know, I, I don't know I, if we'll I, go that far. I enjoy, I enjoy watching him play he's basketball. Top he's top five for you, for sure. Non-Bearcats? <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, he seems, you know, you brought up, I think you brought up a good point in you're talking about um, raising the floor. And I think that's where this team can grow the most and needs to grow the most is even last year, they're good, could be really good. But they had much too big of a variance between they're good and they're when bad. When it went wrong, right. When it went like, wrong. When it was bad, it was real freaking bad. Yeah. And so there needs to be a tighter uh, spread between our really good and our bad. Right. And I think some of these guys can help help raise that floor a bit. And, you know, you need to figure out ways to win games against – and that's been the bugaboo so far has been teams that are that we feel are equal to or better talent they haven't gotten the win so you got to figure out how to raise the floor to where you're beating the equal to teams even if you aren't playing your best right for sure for sure but well, well, you know, we'll see if uh, Tom from the office or Tom from Parks and Rec. I'm sorry, Tom from Parks and Rec. If he uh, if he maybe joins the squad at some point, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll have plenty more here in the next couple of days on what's going on. Uh, I, I I do think Wes was on the road today. I posted the name. I think that he went to see in the 2024 recruiting thread with a common tie uh, with someone close to this program and, and the DDP uh, as an assistant coach at his high school. 
So go check that out. There will be there are five star reasons to go take a look at the 2024 recruiting thread. Um, and then I, there's another potentially high four star, five star that I'm trying to uh, confirm. I think that an assistant went and met with today as well. So staffs on the road. Uh, we'll have a lot more info on all of that as things develop here over the next couple of weeks. Anything else? I don't think so. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. I got to go talk to my daughter for a few minutes before she goes and pretends to sleep and watches Netflix uh, for a while. <laughs> and uh, Aaron and I will get a nightcap rolling. You got your sneak preview of our new sponsor. I'm excited to have them on board uh, as we go forward. And I guess you're probably going to see them on the nightcap uh, probably tonight as well. So we'll, we might talk about that too. Yeah, you got to bring um, that bring that closer up to the to the screen. Show everybody uh, what it's all about. Yeah, we'll get there. All right, that's going to wrap it up. This is the BCJ podcast, brought to you by the Holy Grail, right here on BearcatJournal.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.